Well, good morning. We are kicking off our series, Celebrate Christmas. Um, and I know that Christmas time of year kind of divides the room a little bit. Um, there's some of you who have been waiting for this since June. Anybody in here have been waiting for Christmas, waiting to like put on the Pandora Christmas station like throughout the whole year. That's you, John. Oh, huh? You're like, okay, uh, some of you like were fired up like as soon as there was just like even a whiff of like snow in the, like in the air, you're like, you're like, let's go get the Christmas decorations. Let's go get it all set up. Let's do this. We love Christmas. And then there's a few others of you, right? Anybody else is kind of like, don't do, please, no more Christmas songs. No more of this Christmas stuff. And as soon as it's over, like the tree goes down and everything else goes down. All right, let's take a vote here. Who, who of you love Christmas season and believe it's appropriate for you to set up a Christmas tree prior to Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. All right. All right, John has got two hands up. All right, the rest of us, who thinks appropriately you should wait until after the bird is cut to uh put all right amen all right we got some uh uh we got some of that in the room all right so uh christmas tends to be kind of one of these uh one of these moments that divide us uh in some way or another and actually today we're going to talk about uh, celebrating Christmas in the way that it was intended. And, and there's lots of different things that are going on around Christmas time. I, I remember, I kind of have mixed feelings. I'm kind of an in-the-middle type of person. I like Christmas, but not too much Christmas. Um, sometimes Christmas is a little too hectic for me. I remember back one year, um, we were doing... I was serving as an assistant pastor at a church, and we were doing like four Christmas Eve services. And my wife had to work on Christmas Eve, and so I, like I had to be at the church uh, early. And my kids were really young, and there was no childcare on Christmas Eve, so I was like in charge of the kids. My wife was at work, and we had four services. And I was uh, given specific instructions on what my daughter was supposed to wear, all of these kinds of things, and there was some drama surrounding that, and so. So we, we were living at Florida at the time, and so it was nice warm weather, and we were walking out to go to the Christmas Eve service early. I thought I had my, my daughter's like uh, outfit in order and everything like all set, and um, as we were walking outside, uh, my, my son walked through the grass and stepped on uh, uh, what the dog had left. Uh, not our dog, somebody else's dog. I picked up after my dog. But uh, uh, stepped on what some dog had left and proceeded to get in the car and as young boys do, like jumped in the front seat and like ran on uh, the front seat like with his shoes. And like by the time I got in the car and realized what was going on, it was like the entire car was covered with this. And I was dressed nice. My daughter was dressed nice. And I was like, what, what are we going to do here? How am I going to do? I like went upstairs and got like, like blankets and towels and just like covered stuff up and hoped that I didn't stink for four services. And uh, we finally made it through. So like I like kind of some of the busyness. I like some of the celebration, but sometimes it's a little much. Okay. Sometimes it's a little too much. And so I have a little bit of a mixed feeling around it. And, and Christmas really is kind of that magical time of year. And it's kind of that, like that fun time of year. So, you know, sometimes lots of nostalgia, lots of things like memories that we go back to lots of like kind of scenes of our childhood. We're trying to recreate um, it's the time of year as well where you can kind of get away with suspending reality. 
right? Like you watch all the movies and they're like, okay, I will believe this premise as long as it's tied up with Christmas because Christmas has magic fairy dust on it, right? Like Christmas, we can, we can suspend reality about, you know, like uh, just different things like Santa Claus and things like that because it, it's Christmas time and it's fun and it's like we, we, we can put aside like kind of rational thinking and we uh, can focus on the magic of the Christmas season. And so sometimes that is, that is fun and some people really like that, but uh, you know, sometimes as well, uh, around the Christmas season, we suspend reality about what our budget really is like. We suspend reality about what would be healthy for us to eat and all kinds of different things. And it can be kind of a time of craziness. Uh, but Christmas really is a time to celebrate. It is something to celebrate. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Because it is something that is profoundly important in the, in the whole history of the world. And so, so many people, sometimes even around the Christmas season, um, who have, like, maybe they grew up at, at places like this, and they grew up hearing the Christmas story, and like, like, like came to church and, and heard those things. Many times, I think sometimes adults come to the Christmas season, and they're like, all right, I can, I can kind of buy it during Christmas, and like, I like the stories, and I like kind of having some of that, that, that in my, my memory banks and in my life. But when it really comes down to it is, do we believe the profound story of Christmas? Or do we kind of lump the story of Jesus in with maybe the rest of the celebration of Christmas, like the magic dust that is going around and like we accept it for Christmas season, but the rest of the time of year, we're kind of like, I've grown up a little past that. That's a little bit more of a, a child story. But as bona fide adults, I can't like take this at complete face value. I think sometimes that there is that sentiment there is the sentiment that I can have uh, a degree of Jesus, but I'm not quite sure if I can have or I'll have the whole thing. And in some ways, I think the Christmas story has kind of been co-opted in some way by all the other things going on around the Christmas season. Let me be clear. And over the next three weeks, what we're going to be talking about is the gift of Christmas is kind of that statement and that, in a way, uh, that gift for us to relieve doubts about Jesus. It is a gift for us to understand that this is a real thing that happened in human history. And also, who God is. Is to relieve some of the thoughts and doubts that we have. And if we just think of Christmas kind of like is that simple little kid's story and don't get that full scope of that message, we missing, we're missing something. And so um, I hope that, um, that this year we can truly celebrate the gift that God has given us, the gift of Christmas as a gift to relieve some of the doubts maybe that we have about faith. The gift that, that of Christmas that is, that is something that portrays and communicates the heart of God so we understand clearly who God is and the character of God. And if we can get that and grasp that, wow, that's something to celebrate. And that's something life-changing. And that's something really profound. 
And so, so we are going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. And, and we're going to be talking about this Christmas not as a trivial matter, but something of profound importance. That gift that has been given to us. And we're going to try to not allow like kind of the hype around Christmas to overshadow the depth of that message. Um, hopefully, um, you know, even in the middle of all the other kind of frivolous things that we do at Christmas, maybe we suspend reality a little bit around Christmas, that we can dig in and say, wow, there is something more profound going on that we need to contemplate and we need to carry on with us beyond December, okay? Um, so we're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 2. And, and there's, there are times, I think, that people really doubt this kind of first statement about Jesus. The first statement that is, that is brought to Jesus, that Jesus really is king. And people doubt that. And maybe they doubt it in, in subtle ways, where they say, is Jesus really in control of everything? Is Jesus really, uh, is, are his words the authority on everything? Well, the first statement kind of we hear around the Christmas season is that Jesus is king. And that is really important. Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read the entire chapter. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? So it's proclaiming, and they understand something profound and something royal is taking place. A king has been born. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod, the real bona fide king, King Herod, heard that this was, um, heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them um, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that you too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen uh, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned and dreamed not to go back to here, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
So he got up, took the child and the mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in uh, Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel wept for her children and refused to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard um, that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And that's Matthew chapter 2. And let me just kind of review the major points of the story there. The whole chapter there. Is, you know, it kind of gives us this beautiful Christmas picture and kind of the nativity set is, is, is partially complete through this. And, and you... You, you hear the story about these people from the East that are searching and seeking and studying prophecy and trying to discern and trying to find God. And it's an interesting story. They're obviously people that have spent years of their life trying to and un- understand what was going on and what God was doing in the world. And in an amazing way, God revealed it to them. And God showed them through the prophecies that were said uh, in advance that this is something that was going to be happening. And they were, they were just spiritually sensitive people that caught what God was doing in this time and place and were able to figure that out in a unique way. And so they traveled and they come and they, 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 they come and the first, first people that they interact with is is. The actual King Herod. And they thought, you know, as they come and they're, they're telling this story that, you know, these people who are powerful and all of these things would, would love to hear about the news or the discovery that they've come up with. And uh, they tell them about who's the king of, uh, of the Jews that has been born. Tell me, tell me about him. And, and King Herod is completely confused. And it says in a line, says he was disturbed. He was very disturbed by their words. He was troubled by the idea of Jesus being king. And and he kind of tries to secretly get information from them without revealing like his hidden agenda. And they go on, visit Jesus, have that encounter, and meet Jesus. And are kind of like this first picture of incredible people that really understood the power and the significance of the first Christmas, they got it. Wow. Pretty amazing people, right? And they got it, and they're there, and they realize, um, even though they're supposed to go back to the king and report what they found, they they realize, because their hearts are spiritually sensitive, that this is not a good idea, and they take off and they go a different way home. And the king 
finds out about that, and he is issuing this decree that is not the family-friendly, warm and fuzzy, magical Christmas message that we typically talk about this time of year. He says, we're going to kill all the babies that were born in this area to eliminate the possibility of this kingdom. This is like, this is some serious evil going on right here, right? And you understand and recognize that this king is faced with Jesus being king, and he responds in a way that powerful people who have incredible agendas that want to like destroy anyone else that could come to power do. And he does this awful thing. And um, some people think, you know, 20, 30 babies or so were slaughtered. Can you imagine? Because the king says this and he issues this decree. And Jesus and his family flee to Egypt and you see this phrase over and over. It says, as, you know, fulfilling the prophecy, they hear that Herod dies and they return back and they settle in Nazareth. And again, it says, as it fulfilled in the prophecy, as they are fulfilling a prophecy. So it's such a big deal over and over. You hear here in chapter two, over and over, they're saying, this is what the prophets were talking about. This is what the prophets were talking about. And it refers to, People like Micah, Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of these people in the Old Testament, all of these prophetic voices that foretold that this would happen. All of these people. See, there, we, we were getting the picture of multiple people that really were in tune to the heart of God and proclaimed that God was doing something. And, and the people, you know, they're summed up in these magi that show up at the, at the, you know, and meet Jesus. And it says when they're there, they are overjoyed because they get to be in the presence of God. So we see these pictures. And this is a profound picture of Jesus is that the claim is Jesus is king. Jesus is in control. Jesus is and what he is doing is overshadowing all other kingdoms in the history of the earth. His power and authority supersedes anyone else. Jesus is king. And so this lowly Jesus born to these hum- humble circumstances, he's the one in control. And, and this other stuff that is built up around um, the, the, uh, everyone else, people like Herod, and their power, and their might with the Roman army, all of that is temporary and insignificant. And Jesus is the one that truly has power. Jesus is the one who changes that power structure around and flips, it, flips everything completely on its head and says, this is the true kingdom of God instead of all these other things. So if you, if you think about it within that context... It's pretty easy to understand why some people are disturbed and other people are overjoyed. Some people are disturbed because this is a threat to their power, right? Some people are really disturbed by it. Uh, Some people still today are disturbed by the idea of Jesus is king. Maybe it's not to the point where they're like lashing out and, and committing 
uh, atrocities. But still, some people are disturbed by this notion that Jesus is king. And that's the proclamation of Christmas. And so it can be a troubling thing. You know, um, Christmas in this culture is a very, very unique holiday. Very unique. Because, I don't know if you know this, but it is a national holiday in the United States. It is a national holiday um, that, is, that is federally recognized. And it's probably the only national holiday that definitely has, you know, kind of um, religious roots. You know, all the other ones are kind of secular. But, but for their, like it or not, um, presidents in the past, I believe it was President I believe it was. I don't know. We have some historians in the room. Correct me later if I'm wrong. But, like, declared Christmas a national holiday. And it was, you know, because of the influence of Jesus Christ over the culture and all of these things that, that Jesus, um, you know, a Jew and uh, the leader of Christianity, um, has his own holiday. Very different from Martin Luther King Day, or Memorial Day, or Veterans Day, or President's Day. All of these kind of secular celebrations, Thanksgiving. This is a national holiday. And there's lots of debate on whether that should be the case or not. And now, in our modern times, there's people that are fighting over, hey, there's a nativity set up at the Capitol. But it is a national holiday. But we shouldn't be recognizing religion. And there's like, there's some of this debate and division surrounding Christmas. It's divisive, right? There's other, uh, and so there's, there's a lot of atheist people, and um, actually I kind of in some ways uh, understand their argument. They would say, how come we're proclaiming this as a nation, you know, like kind of celebrating this holiday that is overtly and clearly a religious holiday? Um, I'm a big proponent for the separation of church and state, to be honest with you, because I just, I really don't want um, uh, the state to be uh, telling us how to practice uh, faith. I think that's the job of the church, and I think we should, we should be the ones that are proclaiming that and deciding how we practice that. However, so I, I, I kind of can understand that argument and that logic in some way. And so there's some division that is around kind of the celebration of Christmas. There's other people on the other side of uh, the, the debate that are Christian people that actually are against the celebration of Christmas as well. Because there's, you know, there's all these kind of secular things that are involved with it. Trees and lights and all this stuff and all the gifts and all the, all the other things. The, you know, the Santa Claus and all this stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. And so it's, there's another side of the coin where people say, I don't like the celebration of Christmas at all because that's not, that's not Christianity and we shouldn't celebrate it. So there's, there's people that's, that don't like it. People that don't. But then at the same time, Christmas is like, it drives our economy. It takes over the whole month of December. It's like the biggest stinking holiday in the history of the world, right? And it's like, how can you possibly avoid it? It's, it's a big, big thing. So some people really hate it. Some people really love it. Like we said before, Jono seems to love uh, the Christmas carol. So um, we won't hold that against him. But there is this kind of emotion that comes up around Christmas. And I think people are in some ways disturbed by the notion of Christmas in, in a more subtle way because what they're, 
the proclamation of Christmas is that Jesus is king. And that is even more problematic. To really say, if you hear the message of Matthew 2, that it's saying Jesus is in control, there's like stuff that has to follow as a result of that. If that's true, that Jesus is king, that means that what Jesus said, I need to apply that to my life. If it's true that Jesus is king, what he says is, is, is authority, is, is like what I should be doing and living every day of my life. And that's sometimes a little bit disturbing. And that's problematic. And that's challenging. And in some ways, it might be easier just to say like, hey, let's celebrate frivolous Christmas and not talk about that. But really, when it's said and done, the true Christmas can be a little bit disturbing. When you look at that story, it can make people, uh, it calls us to account. It calls us to something. But then there's the people that said they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed at this idea, this notion. They were overjoyed at Christmas because, you know what? The person who was really in control was the God of the universe. The God of the universe is the one who's really in control. So all these other people that are making the rules and, and enforcing all these things and sometimes mistreating us, yeah, they can have their way for a while, but it's Jesus that is really in control. That's really what matters. And so, so it's, it, it's, and if I make my peace with Jesus and I can find a relationship with my creator, that will bring true peace. And that will transform everything. And some people are so overjoyed by Christmas that they will spend their entire lives seeking and searching and praying in order to find the true meaning of that. And to find a relationship with their creator. And when they find it, they're overjoyed. So it's interesting as we think about this season. Is... Is there true, are we disturbed by the message of Jesus, by the claim of Christmas, or are we overjoyed? Do we celebrate this idea, or do we want it like, uh, man, that's just a little too much to handle? You see over and over what was said here in the passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to belabor it and go over all of them, but it's saying that... This was God's plan from the beginning. There was prophets that were writing about this. There was people that were foretelling in the future that this is how it's going to come to be. That there will be a moment in time where the God of the universe comes to earth to demonstrate who God is. And that day will come. And they're starting to put these pieces together and see it and recognize all that has gone on to lead up to this moment. And they are overjoyed because all the promises, all the thoughts, all the hopes, all the dreams that maybe for generation upon generation they were seeking has come to be. Jesus is truly king. That's the proclamation. So how should Christmas be celebrated? Um, 
to the atheist that says nativity scenes at Capitol buildings shouldn't be there, okay, fine. I don't care. If you want to take down nativity scenes at Capitol buildings, I could care less. Not really a big deal to me. Okay? For those um, Christians that say, no trees, Santa presents, I don't want any of that. That's kind of commercializing Christmas. Fine. Whatever. I don't care about that either. Those are not really important things as far as I'm concerned about how we celebrate Christmas. You can debate those, whatever. You can, you can have your way on either one of those sides. I don't really care. But what I really do care about is this. Is that Jesus, the King Jesus, as foretold by the prophets, came to earth. And fulfilled what God said God would do. That the God of the universe would be with us. That the God of the universe is truly the one in control. That you and I can have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. That this is who God is. Jesus is the true King. So no matter what is swirling on about, whatever debates are going on in society or in the world, whatever people are celebrating here or there, what we can truly celebrate is Jesus is King. That's the kind of God we serve. The kind of God that shows up into our world. The kind of God that, that, that when he makes a promise about you know, showing up, fulfills that promise. The kind of God that, as we're going to continue on throughout this this series to celebrate, is the Savior of the world. We'll talk about that next week. The kind of God that is also, that is going to return someday and bring his kingdom um, to this earth. That is something truly to celebrate. So I challenge you this season, and I don't really, really care too much about all of those peripheral things. But I do care that we celebrate and reflect on that message of Christmas. And the question for all of us is, if Jesus is king, really the king, really in control, is this something that is disturbing to us, troubling to us, or is this something that we, should, we can celebrate? Will you join me in prayer? God, today I celebrate Christmas. I celebrate it. And I'm overjoyed. Because the proclamation that is clear is that you are king. And so, God, I pray today that your kingdom would come in my life. That your rule and your authority would come into my home, in my family, in my neighborhood. And you would be in control of what's going on in my, my life, in my decisions, and in my heart. God, we understand and we recognize that this is no trivial message. And it's not a small thing to proclaim that Jesus is king. 
And there's times where we may have doubts and we may have fears and we might even be disturbed by that message. But God, I pray this season that we would be overjoyed. God, I pray that we would we would recognize and realize what you've been doing from the beginning of time to bring together this historic moment in history where the God of the universe came to earth and said, this is what the true kingdom is like. God, we pray this season that we would celebrate that message of Christmas, the importance of Christmas, the proclamation of Christmas. And we would proclaim that, Jesus, you are king. I want to invite you to take your own moment and pray and seek God. There may be people in this room that say, I have doubts about this message. I have doubts that Jesus is truly king. And if that's where you're at, that's okay. I I invite you to open up yourself and open up your heart to, to really hear not just all the other things that are going around uh, surrounding the message of Christmas. Hear the heart of the matter that is proclaiming and demonstrating that Jesus is king. And I think each and every one of us in this room need to ask ourselves, do I believe that? Does my life demonstrate that? If you have doubts, ask God about those. Tell God those. If you don't have doubts, but maybe sometimes your life doesn't match up with that belief, cry out to God right now and say, God, I'm sorry that my life does not demonstrate you our King. And my prayer for each and every one of us that we'd be overjoyed by this message. So take a moment to talk to God and open your heart up to what He may say to you today.